life gives us choices. And nowhere is this clearer than in how we say things. No matter what it is, there's almost always a bad way to say something, a good way to say it, and a better way to say it. For example, men, you need to pay close attention here. When your wife or your girlfriend asks you, do these jeans make me look fat? The bad way to respond is compared to what? Right? And you don't want to say, uh, no, baby, it's, it's, your, it's your big old rear end that makes you look fat. It's not the jeans at all. That's bad, bad. Now, a good way to respond would be to say, you look fine. Okay? That's positive. It's non-committal. There's like an 82% chance that's going to keep you out of trouble. But the best way to respond is by saying, honey, those jeans are perfect. You look amazing. <laughs> that's the... That's the best way. Listen, when life hands you choices, choose better. <laughs> choose better. We're in a series called Lemonade, and we're looking, at, we're looking at different verses in the Bible where the word better is used. And last week, we said that lemons are pretty good, but lemonade is better. Right? Lemons are good, but lemon chicken is better. Lemons are good, but lemon icebox pie is amazing. And some of us, maybe somebody here in this room, we're settling for pretty good. We're settling for the good life when what God has in mind for us is something that is so much better. So much better. Now, I know that a message like the one I want to bring this morning, is going to cut one of two ways. I just know this going in. For some of us, what we will hear today has the potential to impact our lives as much as anything we will do all year. I, I, I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. There are just some people here today, and hopefully you're included in that number, and, and, and your hearts are open to what God wants to say to you, and it will transform you. It has the potential to change, make positive change for the better in your life today. But at the same time, it'd be really easy for some of us to, to shake this one off, to just say, yeah, oh, okay, okay, yeah, I, that's good. I, I hear you. Need to make some changes. And then just go on as if nothing ever happened. Listen now. If God wants to say something today, if he wants to show us something, change us in some way, I hope that we will be sensitive to what God wants to say and wants to do. But hear what I say. We will learn today's lesson. We can learn it the easy way sitting right here in these chairs, or we can learn it the hard way. We can learn it today, or we can learn it 
looking back over the years of our lives with regret. My prayer is that we learn it today, that it makes a difference in how we do life. Our culture has been lying to us for years. Oh, about so, so many things. Don't get me started. That's a, that's a sermon for another day. But, but honestly, a lot of people, including many, many Christians, believe this cultural lie. And you're going to know what I'm about to say before I finish saying it. Our, our culture teaches us that if, if one is good, then two is what? Better. That's right. If playing one sport is good, then man... Playing two is better. If having one dollar is good, then having two is, is better. If one donut is good, yeah, six are better. <laughs> hey, if having one kid is good, having six is better. Right? And you know, if having one wife is good, then having two is definitely not better. <laughs> That's just trouble. Don't even go there. A college professor told his, told his class that the Bible said that Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Now, concubines, somebody you're not married to, but you act like you are. And a student in the class raised his hand and said, Professor, why, why so many? Why, why does Solomon have so many wives? And the professor said, so that when he came home, he could hopefully find one of them in a good mood. <laughs> oh, come on. I'm sorry about that. I, I thought it was fun. Lighten up, baby. <laughs> but now... <laughs> I don't even want to know what's going on back there. <laughs> Listen now. This lie that we're told, this lie that if one is good, uh, two is better, it's not new. It's not modern. It's not contemporary. The truth is it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. If, if you're not familiar with that story, God created everything and he said that it was good. And, and, and he puts Adam and Eve in this, in this beautiful place, this beautiful garden, and he says to them, have fun. Be fruitful and multiply, and, and you can eat anything in this garden. You can eat from any tree in the garden except that one. Don't eat from that one. You can have anything else you want, just not that one. <laughs> and our enemy, the devil, shows up, disguised as a talking snake. And he says, did God really say not to eat from that one? Huh, wonder why I said that. Oh, I, I, I know. It's because he knows that if you do, you'll be as smart as he is. You'll know things like God knows things. You'll be like him. And you know what he was basically saying? Was well, everything in the garden, huh? Well, that's nice. You got a lot of nice stuff here, but you know what you don't have? You know what God says you can't have? That's what you need to be happy. That's what you need to get your hands on if, you, if you're really going to be 
be satisfied. I mean, I know you got this and you got that and you got everything else, but you need more. You, you, need, you need that right there. If you don't get anything else today, you get this. You write this down if you're taking notes, and you really should be. There's a message notes folder in your bulletin. It's got scripture in it. place for you to take notes, fill in some blanks. Make sure you get this. It is better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. It's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. Look at Ecclesiastes 4. Ecclesiastes, written by Solomon. David's son, David the giant killer. His son, Solomon, was the smartest man who ever lived on planet Earth. And he's revealing God's heart in chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 6. It's in your Old Testament. comes right after the book of Proverbs, which is right after Psalms, which takes up a great deal of space in your Bible. You ought to be able to find it. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 6. Listen to what it says. Better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. Now, hard work there doesn't mean like a, a good work ethic. It means like laborious toil, just that grinds you down and beats you down, takes, takes something from you. Better to have one handful with quietness than, than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. Why is one handful better than two? Well, now, now watch this. If I've got one handful, look what else I got. I got a, you like that? I practice that all week. <laughs> I got a free hand, right? And if I've got one handful and a free hand and somebody needs help up, I can help him up, right? If I've got one handful and a free hand and somebody needs encouragement, I can encourage them. If I've got a handful and a free hand and somebody needs a hug, I can give them a hug. If I've got a handful and a free hand and somebody needs something, I can, I can give them some of what I've got. And if I need to take a nap, I can do that too. It just works out good, doesn't it? But if I've got two hands full and somebody needs some help up, you think you could grab them? Good luck, buddy. I'm praying for you. Somebody needs some encouragement. Good job. Hang in there. Somebody needs a hug. I don't I really don't. Somebody needs something I've got. If I need to take a nap. It's just not gonna work, right? It's just one handful is better. Two handfuls is not as good. Better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. And in the New Testament, Jesus nails this principle head on. I mean, he, he nails it and he does it in a way that is, that is so in your face and confrontational that it makes us uncomfortable. Okay? This isn't, this isn't you know, 
sweet Jesus, meek and mild that we, that we like, that we're used to. It's in Luke chapter 12. You turn over there in your Bible, you can look in the, in the message notes folder. Jesus is talking to a large group. And, and most translations say that he's talking to thousands of people. But in the original language, the, the word is uh, myrias. And we get our English word myriad from that. And myrias literally means 10,000. That's maybe been the original megachurch right there. So Jesus is talking to this, this huge, huge crowd. And listen to what he says. Well, first of all, somebody pipes up and says, Tell my brother to share with me. And Jesus says this in Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Jesus says, watch out now. Be, be on your guard. Be on your guard for this kind of greed. More is not always better. Watch out because your life and your value is not measured by all the stuff you have. And then he tells them a story. Verse 16, then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have enough room to store all my wheat and, and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, My friend, you have stored away enough for years to come. Now, take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Do you ever wonder where that comes from? It comes from the Bible. Verse 20. But God said to him, You you know, that's pretty strong language. That's very strong language. God says, you fool, you will die this very night. And then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Wow. That's, Jesus says, hey, that's what it's like. That's what it's like for anybody who just goes chasing after more, more, more. Chasing after the wind, but they don't have what matters most. They don't have a relationship with God. I'm 100% convinced that God doesn't care about what we have. But He doesn't want what we have to have us. He wants us to be rich in things that really matter. That's why it's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. Because better is one handful with, with quietness, peace of mind, ease. And two handfuls of backbreaking work and chasing after the wind. So if it's better to have what, what does matter... We need to define that, don't we? We need, to, we need to clearly define what really does matter in our lives. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about it for a moment. Think about what really matters in your life. Think about what is most important in your life. And then I want you to write it down. Okay? One or two or three things. Just write it down. Okay, now some of you are, are 
are looking at me like a Weight Watchers meeting at a Chinese buffet. You, don't, you need to be writing. <laughs> Write. Somebody says, I, I don't know what to write. I, I don't, I, I'm not sure. Well, let me make it easier for you. Okay? Think about it like this. You, you remember a couple years ago, uh, we talked about one month to live? What if the doctor said bad news? You got 30 days to live, max. That's 30 days, that's all you got. What are you going to do in the next 30 days? Because, listen, that's what's most important to you. What are you going to do? Write that down. What's most important to you? I asked this question on New Hope's Facebook page. What's most important to you? You know what people said? Some people said God was important. Other people said that their families were important. Some people said their church, this church, was important. That was really nice. I mean, that's some meaningful stuff. But let me, let me tell you, take a, take a look at what is not on the list. Not one person said the amount of money in their bank account was what was most important. Not, not one. Not one person said their job or their salary was, was the most important. And you know, nobody talked about the make and model of their car or the, the size of their, their home or what kind of countertops they had in their kitchen, what type of phone they have. Nobody said the most important thing to them was the number of Facebook friends or Twitter followers they have. It's shocking, I know. Nobody listed their high score on Candy Crush as the most important thing in their lives. Stop sending me those invitations. You're going to go home and defriend me today, aren't you? None of that stuff was on the list. And yet, listen, there are things that we expend an awful lot of energy and spend an awful lot of time on that also didn't show up on the list. We're spending time on them. They're occupying space in our lives, but they didn't show up on the list either. That's why it's important for us to do this. That's why it's important to, to clearly define what is most important to us. And, and that's why, listen, that's why we need to make something like this a regular part of our prayers. We need to just pray, Lord, you give me the strength. You empower me to recognize and understand what is really important and to focus on what is important and let go of that that is less important. I pray a variation of that almost every day. I pray this almost every day. I pray, God, do whatever you have to do in me and to me so that you can do everything you want to do through me. Let's call it one-handed living, one-handful living. Let's call it that. One-handful living. And it kind of raises a question. How can we live a one-handful life? Well, I want to share a couple thoughts with you and some real simple applications that I think will help us. I, I, and I pray that God will speak to us in a way that makes life different for us. Here's the first thing. If we're going to live a one-handful life, here's, here's the first thing we need to do. We need to let go of what doesn't matter. Just, just let it go. We need to let go of anything and everything that doesn't matter. Here, 
here's the way Paul says it in Hebrews chapter 12. Look at this, chapter 12, verse 1 of the book of Hebrews. He says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. And the, the, the original word there that's translated strip off, it can also be translated throw down, cast off. And, and it's a violent word. It's a word with some urgency to it. I thought and thought and thought about it, and here, here it is. What do you do when a spider gets on you? <laughs> you strip it off. You cast it down, right? You throw it off, and then you, you stomp on it until it stops crunching. You grind it into the carpet. That's what we do with those less important things. We, we strip them off. We cast them off. We throw them down. We get them out of the way, listen, so that we can pursue that which God has lined out for us. I, and I hope we understand that there's a race that God has marked out for us. There's a, there's a track He wants us to run on. There's a, there's a will and a purpose and a plan. And God put us on this earth to do something significant. And our enemy, the devil, is constantly going to be up in our ear saying, well, you, you don't want to do that. You can't do that. What about this over here? This be, this be all right. You don't, you don't have one of these. You haven't ever done this. And, and before long, we're chasing the wind. We're running after something that doesn't amount to anything, that, 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 that counts for nothing. So how can we avoid that? How can we avoid that and live that one handful of life? I'm going to give you three words. And they all three start with D. I made it that way so it would just be easy for you to remember. Three words start with D. Decrease, discard, and deactivate. Decrease, discard, and deactivate. Say it with me. Decrease, discard, and deactivate. What are we going to decrease? Well, I, I don't know what you need to decrease, but most people I know need to decrease their spending and their schedules. Uh-oh. God's going to speak to somebody here in a minute. <laughs> Let's start with our spending. Hey, listen. Better one handful with peace and quiet with some financial margin than two handfuls that put a financial noose around our neck. Right? Better one handful with some money left over at the end of the month than, than two handfuls with, with fights and, and, and worries and financial fears. Better one handful and able to, to save a little bit and maybe uh, give a little bit, sacrifice a little, than, than two handfuls on credit and we can barely make the minimum payments every month. Better is less with some room to breathe. And I don't know what better means for you in this area, but listen, it's time for us to cut back and to, uh, 
to, to reduce, to decrease, to, to save some, to give some, yes, but it's better to have financial room, room to breathe, than it is to have two handfuls full of stuff that's going to burn up one day anyway. And, and what about our schedules? Oh, my goodness. Listen to me now. It's time for some of us to pray and then get real aggressive about saying no to some things. Saying no to some things that everybody, that every other parent is saying yes to. All your friends are saying yes to. What's the most common answer to the question in our culture when somebody says, Hey, how you doing? What do people say? Well, I'm really tired. I'm really busy. That's right. I'm really tired. I'm How are you doing? Well, I'll tell you, I'm just busy, busy, busy. Tired, 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 busy, busy, tired, busy, tired, tired, busy, busy. When's the last time you went up to somebody and said, hey, how you doing? And they said, I am so well rested and relaxed. <laughs> and I don't know what I'm going to do with all of this free time I've got. Huh? Man, I, I, I'm so blessed. I'm just hanging out with my kids and, and, and my marriage. Man, we're, we're, going, we're going on date nights every week. And, 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 I, and I'm, oh, I'm spending so much time with the Lord. Said nobody. Ever. <laughs> now what we hear is busy. Tired. Exhausted. Wore out. Do, do we really think, do we really think that the God who, who said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest, do we really think that his best plan for us is busy, tired, and exhausted? I mean, honestly, our culture has lied to us. One is good, two is better, more is better, but listen, it's time to... It's time to say no to some things. I, I'm not going to tell you what that looks like for you. You know your calendar. You know your schedule. What I will tell you is this. Sometimes we have to say no to some good things to get to some things that are better. Just because we can do everything doesn't mean we should do everything. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Man, the second thing we need to do is discard. Man, some of us need to throw some stuff away. Clean the clutter out. If you've ever been in my office, you know I'm preaching to myself. But we're going to talk about that right now. Let's go on to something else. When we first got to town and we were looking at houses... We discovered that, that most of the houses in this town are, are older, right? I mean, built years and years and years ago. Some of them, turn of the century, 1895, 1900, 1910. Maybe some of you lived in, in one of those older homes. But you know what blew our minds? What absolutely blew our minds is that, that most of these old homes we looked at only had one closet. In the entire house. 
one, one closet. How is that possible? It's possible because in 1910, people didn't need more than one closet. Family didn't need more than one closet. Man, today, we just got multiple closets, don't we? we we've got walk-in closets. Hey, some of your closets are so big, you can walk in them and walk around. You know, four laps around your closet is a mile. I know, I've seen them. And so we, we've got these big closets and these cabinets, but guess what? We've got so much stuff, there's not enough room for all of it. Now, I, our house was, was built around the turn of the century, but it's an anomaly. We've got 10 closets in our house, and we've got walk-in, I mean, stand straight up, attic storage space, and we've got a basement, a full-size basement. And we still have so much stuff that we cannot park any of our vehicles in either side of the garage. <laughs> now, some of you laughing at me need to hush up because you're renting space for your stuff. <laughs> we got too much stuff. We need to get rid of some of it. Man, have a yard sale. <laughs> Give it to Goodwill. Give it to the thrift store. Donate it to a, to, to a missionary. Haul it to the transfer station. Put it on the burn pile. I don't care. But let's discard some of this stuff that is taking up our time and, and taking up physical space and emotional space in our lives. I got one more. Deactivate. And again, I don't know what you need to deactivate, but, but all of us need to turn off something. Maybe it's the TV. Huh? Hello. According to the Nielsen Company, every American, there's 310 million of us, every American watches 151 hours of TV a month. Average of five hours a day. Or think about this way, and this is crazy. That's three weeks and four days of 40-hour work week. That's crazy. That's every month. Man, what could I do with five extra hours in a day? What could you do with five extra hours in a day? Now, don't, don't march out of here and go, well, Pastor Scott's anti-TV. No, I'm not. We got five of them, and they're always on, all the time. I laughed out loud yesterday. I came back in yesterday evening after going and eating some supper, and uh, we have satellite, and every TV was blinking that no signal where it goes off after four hours. And guess what? Me and Nick were the only ones home. <laughs> Every room. Because i got to be able to hear, you know, my final four stories, my basketball stories as I go from the, the kitchen to the bedroom to the living room to got to be able to, can't be out away from that news and information, right? Or how about this? And some of you are going to wonder about, about me. Some of you are going to go home and have a big old honking fight about what I'm about to say. But some of us need to deactivate the computer or the laptop or the tablet or the smartphone. And I'm preaching to myself again here. 
it's gotten so crazy. It, it just seems like it, it's so hard to get away from it. Right? Hey, just give me just a second. I need to check my Facebook. I, I, I posted something on there, and three people liked it and, it, and it might be four. I need to take a look at it. Come on, four. Four, baby. I wonder if anybody on, on Twitter is going to retweet my tweet. Hey, the, the 50th duck lips picture I posted on Instagram got 200 comments. I need to go and read them. It's just crazy. Or have you seen this recently? You, you go into a restaurant and there's a family, like four or five at a table. And everybody's like this. Right? Or like this. They're talking to somebody or they're texting somebody or they're, they're posting something or, 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 or they're playing words with friends or I don't know. Some of us could fundamentally change and improve our lives and our relationships if we just deactivate some of that stuff. I'm not talking about all the time. I'm not talking about throw it away. I'm talking about turn it off. Our day. <laughs> One day a week. <laughs> You know, if I told my kids, I want your phones, you can't have your phone, <laughs> they'd have calculators. <laughs> Better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing after wind. Some of us need to get real serious real serious about decreasing and discard and deactivate we need to to strip off and throw down and cast off and let go of some things that don't really matter and one more thing if we're going to live a one handful life we got to be willing to fight for what matters we got to be willing to fight for it. we got to let go of what doesn't matter and fight for what does matter. In, in the Old Testament, the book of Nehemiah, I've been reading that, studying that a little bit. I'm going to preach through the book of Nehemiah this summer. That's commercial. But in the book of Nehemiah, the people of God are rebuilding the walls of the city of Jerusalem after they've come back from the, the um, exile in Babylon. And, and you would think that it would be a very exciting and, and hope-filled time, right? We're leaving captivity after hundreds of years, and we're going back to, to our city, the city of God, and we're going to rebuild the walls. Man, you think people would be excited, but see, not everybody was on board. And there were a couple of guys, at, uh, Sanballat and Tobiah, and they, uh, they were trying to talk God's people out of rebuilding the wall. And so they, they were saying things like, we, we, can't, we can't do this. It's, it's too big a job. And we're not builders. I mean, look at this, what we've built here. A small animal could jump on that and knock that down. You know what's going to happen? Our enemies are going to laugh at us. We're going to become a laughing stock to them. And then they're going to attack us. And the Bible says that God's people got afraid. And, when, and you know, fear always wears you out. They got exhausted. They got tired. And they wanted to quit. They wanted to quit in discouragement. But Nehemiah wasn't having it. He, 
Nehemiah chapter 4, he calls all the people together. And listen to what he says. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers and your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. Don't be afraid. Fight. We, we have to fight sometimes for what's important. We have to draw our sword and fight. Don't let culture lie to you. Don't waste your life. Fight for what matters. What really, really matters. Here's, here's the bottom line, folks. Our life is too valuable. Our calling is too great. And our God is too good to waste our lives on things that do not matter. <laughs> hey, that's good. Somebody ought to tweet that. Your life, listen to me now, your life is too valuable and your calling is too great and your God is too good for you to waste your life on things that do not matter. God created us and He put us on this earth to glorify Him and to make a difference in the lives of others and, and to, to make Him known and to, to love Him and to love people. Man, don't sell that out chasing the wind. Running after more, more, more? Beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you have. Better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. Better is, is one handful and a good marriage. Better is one handful and children that, that you know. Better is one handful and making a difference in this community. Better is one handful and real, close friendship. Better is one handful and influence. Better is one handful and love than two handfuls and chaos and trouble and panic and stress and greed and more, more, more chasing the wind. It is infinitely better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. And I don't know what this is going to look like for some of us, but I'm telling you, if we don't shake it off, if we let it speak to us, we can be different. Our marriages can be different. Our, our homes can be different. Our children can be our, our jobs, our neighborhoods, our, our schools can all be different. They can all be better. Better. Better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing after wind. Bow your heads, please. Close your eyes.